Well, we're, Lord willing, going to wrap up Galatians tonight. We're chapter 6, Learn to Walk in the Spirit. We've been, last chapter, really talking about what that looked like, what that felt like to be filled with the Spirit or to let the flesh have its way. And we're going to just wrap up, uh, get a little bit of review, and then get into the final chapter. I'm going to look at verses 25 and 26 at the end of Galatians. So we live by the Spirit. This is where our life comes from. So start living is Paul's idea. So start walking in the new life. What are you waiting for? But then he has a fan, you know, a, a really kind of off-base verse in a sense. It, it hit me like, where did that come from? Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What an interesting way for Paul to wrap up a chapter about walking in the Spirit and versus walking in the flesh. And I think what he's saying is, hey, you'll start walking in the Spirit. You'll be so excited about how good you're doing. You'll look around and, and see others that aren't walking in the Spirit. And you'll start to come down on them. You, you'll be conceited because you're so proud that you're walking in the Spirit. And then you just you, you blow it. That's just absolute wrong way to go. Be filled with the Spirit? Yes. Be conceited about it? Absolutely not. That's walking in the flesh again. And it's a wake-up call from Paul. And he, he says, life comes from the Spirit, so start walking in the Spirit. And that idea of walking in verse 25 that we just looked at, it's actually a Greek word that means to learn to walk in the Spirit. It's like learning when we were little guys, little gals. Learning how to walk. Falling down at times. Getting right back up. Learning how to walk. Going through all of the, the, the learning process is something that takes time. And it's something that you need to keep learning to do in the sense of you need to learn to walk away from conceit and walk towards the love of Jesus Christ. Walk towards caring for one another. That's walking in the Spirit. So less and less conceit, more and more caring with the love of Christ. That's what walking in new life looks like. So Paul says, as we move to chapter 6, let's get started. I've got an assignment for you. I want you to start to learn how to walk in the Spirit. So here we go. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, you who are serious about walking in the Spirit and walking in the new life, and being filled with Christ, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. It's a continual battle, Paul is saying. We're always going to be wrestling with the old nature. And that's why, 
as people stumble and those that we love are going through difficult times and, and, and maybe even falling, reach out, take hold, restore. And that word for restore is the same word that was used in Gospel of Mark for the disciples. They were restoring their nets. Their nets had gotten torn and, and, and worn, and they were restoring the nets. And the idea is to restore a brother or sister. Help them get back on their feet. Help them to start walking in the Spirit again. Pastor Chuck shares a, a story that I found uh, kind of fascinating. It's about three pastors who decided they were going to be there for each other. They were going to restore each other. And, and, and they met together. And uh, they were going to do that by just being open and confessing their faults and their sins to one another. And so the first guy, he gets started and he says, well, I need to let you guys know I have a drinking problem. I don't nobody know this, but I, 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 have, I keep a bottle at home all the time. Well, the next minister said, well, uh, my problem is I just can't get to get free from lust. And that just takes hold of me sometimes. And it's just really terrible. I, 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 don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And finally, the third pastor, well, he spoke up and he says, Well, my problem is with gossip. And I just can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> oh, well, that's not at all what Paul's talking about. Caring, loving, walking in the Spirit means you don't gossip about other people or their sins or you don't draw attention to their sins you draw attention to what Christ has done for them and you draw attention to open their heart to be willing to receive what Christ wants to do in their life right here right now you don't attend a, a prayer meeting and discuss someone's sin you you attend a prayer meeting to pray for someone but you're very careful that you're always lifting people up and encouraging people. You see, love walks in to restore, to build up a spirit of gentleness with a spirit of humility. The truth and love of Christ filling our hearts, flowing out and encouraging another's heart. Help them <clears throat> to get back on their spiritual feet and walk. And Paul goes on, verse 2, learning to walk in the Spirit. Assignment 2, maybe. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, this walking in the Spirit, it's not complicated. Paul says, look around, look to a brother, a sister, and if you see that they have a burden that's, that's weighing them down, will step in and offer to help however you might be able to. It's not rocket science. It doesn't take a huge program or organization or a lot of training. It just takes the love of Christ in our hearts. 
Just look for a burden and offer to help with it. I've been told that there's an Indian word for friend, and it means this, one who carries my sorrows on his back. You see, this is what Jesus did for us. You'll never be more like Jesus when you do the same for a friend. I've heard it put, friendship multiplies our joys and divides our grief. I like that. So when we help to lighten someone's burden in someone's way, in some way or another, we're actually, Paul says, we're fulfilling the law of Christ, the law of love. Remember Jesus told the disciples, it's time you guys learn to love one another as I have loved you. We move on. Verse 3, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Oh, someone says, but... I have such an important position. My, my time is so important. I, I just, I'm too busy to stop and help someone. But that's not the way of Jesus. Paul says, learn to walk in the way of Jesus. Learn to walk in the new life that he's given you. Learn to, to walk away from that pride and conceit and haughtiness, thinking that we're too important. Learn to walk in the Spirit to love and to care and to encourage. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul shared this from the New Living Translation. Don't be selfish. Don't be conceitful. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then that chapter goes on as it shares about how Jesus became one of us, became a servant, a servant even to the cross for you and for me. That's his heart. That's his attitude. And as we begin to walk in the Spirit, that's what we learn to do. That's one of the things I love about our church family. There's just so many folks that walking in the Spirit are reaching out, loving, encouraging, being there for one another. Keep up the good work. Amen? Amen. Verse 4. But let each one examine his own work. How are you doing in this walking in the Spirit? And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone between himself and the Lord. And not in another, not trying to impress another. In other words, don't, don't, your Christian life isn't about impressing others. Just do the things that God puts on your heart to do and don't worry if anyone sees you do them or not. Jesus does. Jesus sees. And Paul goes on in another assignment. Each one shall bear his own load. 
Well, that's kind of fascinating. I thought we were supposed to be thinking about others. But wait a minute, doesn't that kind of contradict the verse 2? Uh, where we're supposed to worry about someone else's burden? Well, no, this word for load here is different than the word for burden. It speaks like of a soldier's pack. It speaks of like the supplies that the Lord has given you to carry, to minister, to be able to have and to share in that helping someone with a burden. That word for burden, it's the word that means uh, taking a hit, getting knocked down, crushed, hurt. You see, this battle that we're in, we're supposed to, to bear our own pack, to, 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 to uh, reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, give me what you want me to carry so I can have something to share with others. But when somebody gets walloped, boy, is it, is it good to have someone there to help carry our burden. We should not be people who are always trying to get somebody else to carry our pack for us. No, we need to do that. We need to, to be God's man, God's woman, where he's called us to be. At the same time, there are moments and events and days that, that just wallop us. And that's when we need one another. It's during those times that our brothers and sisters, when they come beside us, what a joy that is. Verse 6, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. How I thank the Lord for this precious congregation. You're a, you're a group of folks that have said, you know, this is a place where God's word is taught. This is, this is a church family where we're blessed and where as we come together, Christ is right in the center. And what an encouragement that is for myself, for my family. This is a place where our children and our youth are being ministered to and loved and a place where they're being encouraged and desiring. They're, they're wanting to come to church. And so we're, we're going to share in this ministry so this ministry can keep going. There, there are times when, when I have been absolutely blown away at, at the uh, faithfulness of this congregation in this area of sharing and supporting the work of the Lord here at Open Gate. Again, Keep up the good work. You're so appreciated. Verses 7 and 8. But don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. So Paul's going back to this battle between the flesh and walking in the Spirit. I thought about a, a guy in the Old Testament that's a pretty good example of how the flesh can, even though you know the Lord and you love the Lord and you're working for the Lord, the flesh can get in there. And when you allow yourself to sow to the flesh, nothing good ever comes of it. And the guy's name is Samson. He's an illustration of these verses and this law of the harvest is irrevocable. You sow to the flesh, 
it will bring a harvest and the harvest will be so distasteful. And Samson would say, oh Lord, forgive me. Lord, I, I, I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have done that. And Samson knew that the Lord forgives. We read in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he begins to do that new work deep within our hearts, cleansing us and changing us from the inside out. But Samson had such a struggle with the flesh. The seeds that Samson planted in sin and that struggle, when they came to fruition, oh, ask Samson, it was not a good thing. After being with Delilah, where he shouldn't have been, and getting a haircut in the process, he found himself grinding at the wheel in a Philistine prison. His hair began to grow. And when at last he stood at the temple in Dagon, in the Dagon's temple, and they were jeering at him, and he cried out to the Lord, and he took hold of the supporting pillars. And Scripture records that that day Samson conquered more Philistines in that one moment than he did in his entire lifetime, Judges 16.30. But Samson would be the first to tell you, don't sow to the flesh, for he lost everything as a result. For such is the law of the harvest. Yet, God never left him or forsook him. Samson prayed, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, Judges 16.28. And as he stood there between the pillars, the Lord's strength, his grace, filled Samson to overflowing. And it was a pivotal moment of his ministry. For such is the grace of God when you open your heart to the Lord. He always wants the best for you. The most astounding thing about Samson's life, if you know Hebrews chapter 11, you know it's the hall of faith. And listed in that chapter are the great men and women of faith from the Old Testament. Guess who's among them? Samson is. Well, as he reached out to the Lord, the Lord's grace was always there for him and will always be there for you and for me. But there's another side to this sowing. Let's look at the rest of verse 8. The other side to the sowing. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Life today and to get you ready for everlasting life. Understand the law of sowing and reaping. You don't always reap in the same season that you sow. And that Paul's going to talk about that a little bit next. If harvest day came right after planting, well, farming would be fun and easy and anybody could do it. And that's the same, true, same is true spiritually. The idea is 
Seldom do we reap or see the harvest immediately the same season that we sow. Studying the Bible and learning to pray and working hard at it, it it takes time and effort. It's like planting seed on a hot day. But when you bring in the riches of the harvest, oh, it's so worth it. If you want to grow strong in the faith, you've got to sow good seeds. you get, you got to work at logging on to good Bible studies or always tuning in to great Christian music. and you got to take time and just have walks with God. Time to pray and sit down and meditate on the words that God has put in your heart as, you, as you've been reading His Word. In fact, the more you sow to the Spirit, the more you will reap. That's what Paul is saying here. And then he says, verse 9, keep at it. Let us not grow weary while doing good, while sowing to the Spirit, while trying to learn to walk in the Spirit. For in due season we shall reap if we do not Lose heart. Someone says, well, I've, I've been sowing good seed, and I've been reading my Bible, and I've been faithful at going to Bible studies. I've been faithful at going to church. I've been asking the Lord to fill me with His Spirit. I'm just not seeing much fruit. Hang in there, Paul says, dear saint. You will reap in due season." If you don't give up, do not lose heart. Keep learning to walk in the Spirit and learning to walk away from the flesh and the conceit and the pride. Look at these verses. You see, God's at work doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. But as we, as we do our sowing, as we work at it as best we know how, know this, God's at work, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in chapter 2, Philippians, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose in you. And then Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. And then Ephesians 2.10. Did you know that you're God's handiwork? And the Greek word for handiwork is pomia. You you're God's beautiful poem that he's putting together. Hang in there. Do not lose heart. Keep working at it. Keep learning to walk in the Spirit. Therefore, verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially 
to those who are the household of faith. So, Paul's saying, you started these assignments. Keep at it. Keep learning to walk in the Spirit. Do good to everybody. Everybody needs an uplift. But God's family, well, they're special to the Lord. And especially for them, brothers and sisters in God's family, prayerfully prioritize your resources and time and effort to be there for one another. For we truly are a very special family of God. And our local family is so awesome, so special. Um, And the idea is, this is Jesus leading you. And as you trust his leading, and you keep on learning to walk in the Spirit, and the time and the effort that you you put in to be there for others, oh, the Lord's going to bless that. And I think the Lord's just keeping a record of how much people are blessed because you simply are saying, Lord, I want you to fill me and then I want to be there for someone else to help bear their burden, to help encourage them, to help restore them, just to give them a word of encouragement or a prayer. Keep learning to walk in His Spirit. Keep learning to walk away from conceit and walk towards caring. For in due season, you will reap. Do not lose heart. And then Paul says, this is really important. Look at what he says in verse 11. See with which large letters I have written to you in my own hand. These big letters are because I'm writing this myself. I'm not using a scribe to write down the words that the Lord has given me. This is so important that it's coming from me, myself. And the letters are big because that's the best I can do. But I'm so serious about you putting into practice what I taught you in chapter 5. I want you to put into practice and learn to walk in the spirit. If you sow to the flesh, Paul says, you sow to corruption. Your joy, your love, your peace, your your excitement in your Christian walk, it'll just slowly die and you'll wonder what has happened. And and then Paul has one more thing to say about these Judaizers who who are trying to take all of the joy and the and the fellowship and the closeness of Jesus out of their lives. He's saying, don't be deceived by these guys, the religious talk of these Judaizers. They walk and they sow in the flesh. They're, they're trying to live a Christian life through works and sowing to the flesh. And all it will bring are problems. So, one more word about these guys Paul has for us. Look at verse 12. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised 
only that they may not suffer persecution. They're just watching out for themselves for the cross of Christ. They, they want the, the Jewish bigwigs to think the world of them. Verse 13, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. The, they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. The Greek word for compel there, it's an interesting word. It's the, it's the term used in sales. Like a salesman, the, the legalizers were putting on a hard sell. You guys, you got to be, you want to really be spiritual. You got you to gotta start following the law. You got to be circumcised. Simple trust and belief in Jesus. Well, that can't be enough. These guys are not looking out for your good at all, Paul says. They just want to claim you as another notch in their spiritual belt that they may boast. In direct contrast, look at what Paul says. Verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The things of this world the Lord has, has taken away miraculously and filled me with the person of Jesus Christ himself. I'm not interested in, in the worldly ways of notches in my belt. Uh, the only thing I boast about is Jesus and his love and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And my only agenda, my only motive is to see that you do exceedingly well in your Christian walk. With Jesus. Verse 15 For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. The things of the law make no difference in the Christian walk. What's it all about? It's all about new creation. Remember when that legalist came to Jesus at night, Nicodemus? He was all wrapped up in legalism. But he began to see the works that Jesus was doing. And he began to see lives being changed. And the joy of the Lord touching these lives. And he had to find out what that was all about. So he came to Jesus. In verse 3, we're looking at John uh, chapter 3, verse 3. And Jesus answered and said to him, Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It's not about works or religion or rules or regulation. It's about a relationship with the living God. And the only way you can get a relationship is to be born again. Marvel not, verse 7, that I say to you, you must be born again. You must become a new creation by the work of God the Holy Spirit. The Son of God, and he's speaking to Nicodemus about himself, the Son of God must be lifted up. I must go to the cross. There's no other way for me to bear your sins upon myself to become sin for you so that 
your sins could be forgiven. I could take the penalty upon myself. And then I could turn around and give you my righteousness. And you can be born from above. That whoever believes in me, Jesus was saying, whoever believes in the Son of God should not, have, should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Jesus shares one of the most wonderful verses in the Bible. It's about himself to this religious leader. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is Paul's heart for these Galatians. Jesus is life. Don't let anyone take Jesus away from you. In fact, he goes on, verse 16, as many as walk according to this rule that is all about Jesus and the life that he gives, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul's saying it's your choice, you guys. You can fall back into legalism. Or you can hang in there and keep learning to walk in the Spirit. Jesus is going to be right there to help you, but it's your choice. Revelation 3.20 Jesus says, Look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Hear my voice? Open that door. Invite me in. Invite me to be a part of your life. For that's what walking in the Spirit is. You're no longer walking on your own or trying to live the Christian life in the flesh. You've invited Jesus to come in. And he says... And when I come in, we'll dine together. We'll share a meal together as friends. We'll have fellowship. You'll experience me personally. And I'll be sitting on the throne of your heart. And I'll be giving directions. And I'll be giving power. And I'll be giving help. And I will be there with you and for you. And that's Paul's hope for these believers in Galatia. Verse 17. Paul says, Hey, from now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What was he talking about there? Well, Paul says, My love for Jesus and my love for you guys sent me out and nobody was going to stop me from coming to you to share the good news of Christ. There were stonings. There were beatings. There were imprisonments. There were shipwrecks. You look at Paul's body and he had marks from all of these things. He endured all of these things that these guys, these Galatians, that you and I, that we might know Jesus personally as our Lord and Savior. And we might be learning to walk in the Spirit and trusting Him more and more. And then he closes this book with this short little verse. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. 
Amen. You see, there is no other way to grow in Christ than by His grace and by Him being in our hearts and changing us from the inside out. So He closes this little letter the same way that He began it. Let's look at the beginning. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, you see, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, let me close with a little quote that I found about grace. Sums up the book of Galatians. Your worst days, why, they're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days, why, they're never so good that you're beyond the need for God's grace. You see, we're saved, we stand, we live, and we learn to walk in the Spirit all through God's amazing grace. Wrapped up in one word, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this book. What a power-packed message this is. Lord, what a challenge from Paul. Okay, you've learned that you can choose to, to be uh, motivated by the flesh or you can choose to be empowered by the Spirit. Lord, we choose to learn to walk in the Spirit. We choose to be empowered by you, to be loved by you, to be filled by you, to be men and women who are so in love with you that that love spills over and touches those around us, touches our families, touches our church family. Lord, thank you for this good word from Paul. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for so much for joining us tonight. May the Lord richly bless you. Next Wednesday night, we're going to get started in the book of Ephesians. God bless. Good night.